Just Go With It is a podcast hosted by two millennials who swear. And also, it's about horror films, so listener discretion is advised. We will put specific content warnings in the show notes. Boo! <laughs> Time. Comb your frogs. <laughs> what the fuck? I've never seen Dharma and Grace. I, I mean, no, not that. Oh my god! It's the first episode. It's the pilot. I guess they I haven't seen go it. Go to a baseball game, and she's like, "It's great. You can yell the most random things, and no one cares." And she stands up and throws her arms, and he's like, "Nectarine time. Comb your frogs." <laughs> and like, this asshole's like, "Hey, Gidget, shut up!" And then uh, Greg does this whole like macho lawyer thing where he's like i see that you're smoking a cuban cigar you probably didn't pay to get bring that into the states and the guy's like oh my god and he's like apologize to the lady (laughs) and she's like "Mm?" (laughs) (laughs) i'm trying to find a segue but listen i don't have one so i'll just say kate Uh uh-huh they're here (sighs) they're here and by that i mean the movie poltergeist is here because we're covering poltergeist and we're also here well in theory mentally Eh. am i yes it's been a Maybe. day, you know. Yeah, that. I was like, "Are we here? Are we? What's Can we that be song? said to be present? <laughs> are we here? Are we dancer? <laughs> yeah, I was like, "Are we here? Or are we dancers?" <laughs> See, I've always heard like singular dancer, where it's like you can be dancer or you, you can, can be, be this. <laughs> That should be how we compare everything Yo, in life. Are you be here like, or are you dancer? <laughs> we could give up. Or we could be dancer. Or we could be dancer. Do you want to be a quitter? Or do you want to be dancer? <laughs> I guess dancer. Like, <laughs> of the two, I'd say dancer. I see the problem is I can't dance. Okay, mm. whatever. We're doing poltergeist. We're doing poltergeist. A crime against children of the 80s. <laughs> oh my god, honestly. I have so many things to say. You know I don't like creepy kids. Mm. Mm. So I knew going into this that I was going to have issues. Um, <clears throat> I do have actual facts, though. Yes. Okay. The movie was made in 1982, mm-hmm. directed by Toby Hooper, but apparently we have things to say about this, because it was directed by Toby Hooper, written by Steven Spielberg, but what are the... Kate has told me about something that's coming, and I was like, yes, tell me about the director. Yeah, so there's this ongoing, I wouldn't call it a feud by any means, mm. but like this contention where different people say different things, and... Basically, at the time, Spielberg was working on E.T. Yeah. And he was, like, contractually not allowed to be working on, like, directing two movies at the same time. couldn't do, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, like, he brought Toby Hooper on. And uh, Toby Hooper was, according to some people, director name only. Where it was, like, Steven Spielberg's brainchild where he was directing all of the actors and doing all of the different, like... From where? What? Like... And so, like, some actors say, like, oh, no, I only took direction from Toby Hooper. And then some actors are like, well, Toby Hooper wasn't on set or Tony Hooper wasn't able to be stable enough for the position. And that might have been started by Steven Spielberg. Like, it's it's messy and it's contentious. Whoa. And it was enough that Steven Spielberg had to release, like, a note congratulating Toby Hooper on the success of Poltergeist. Yeah, I noticed that, like, um, in the credits, it doesn't really say anything about Toby too much. It literally just says, a Steven Spielberg production and huge letters, and then just uh, it goes through the credits. Yeah, so it was a lot of weirdness and, like... 
most people that I read at least will be like, oh, it was unquestionably directed by Spielberg. Even though it has Toby Hooper's name, it was just like an in-name only thing because they say that they can see his like creative fingerprint on it. And that like the camera shots were very Spielberg and like all of the stuff. Some of it. And when it comes down to like some of the practical effects, one of them where Marty's peeling his face off. That was great shot. Yeah. So that was a really expensive like a piece of like set design. Yes. I can't say words. It was a costume piece. and It was very expensive. It was like a prosthetic. So did you notice in that scene that the hands looked like they were coming from weird angles? Yeah. Yeah. Steven Spielberg's hands. (laughs) Yeah. They had to get it right in one shot because it was so expensive. I was going to say, I was like, I assumed that that was a one time thing. And so Spielberg himself was the one ripping the pieces of flesh off the face to make sure it was done. That's so funny. I wondered. It's like his hands look weird. Yeah, they're like from the wrong angle, <laughs> or they're facing the wrong way. It was just like wild. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's so tentatively directed by Toby, Hooper, hmm? written by Steven Spielberg and two other people. It wasn't just Steven Spielberg. It was like Kathy something. Yeah, they were like it, it was weird because it was. So this was originally supposed to be a sequel to Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Oh. Yeah. Um. In the in what I read, which I should have written down, but like I said, it's been a long day. Um, what I read is I think Toby Hooper is the one that said like, "No, let's make it a ghost story." Mm. So originally, it was supposed to be more sci-fi to be a sequel to Close Encounters of the Third Kind, and then Toby Hooper was like, "No, no, no, ghosts," ghosts. and then everyone was like, "Yeah, all right, ghosts." Um, so when I read that, that's why I was like, "It's all Toby Hooper." I don't know. So. I'm not part of this fight. No. Um, <laughs> Toby Hooper did a lot of stuff, tons of stuff in the 80s. Um, the one that I wrote down was Texas Chainsaw Massacre, mm-hmm. just because that was the biggest one that I knew. Yep, that's what he's known for. Not the only one I knew, but the one, yeah, like like you said, he's known for. Um, the music was Jerry Goldsmith. Again, this was someone who did, like, most music in the 80s oh, a lot of times. So here's just a few that I wrote down. We have all the Rambo movies. Logan's Run, Planet of the Apes, Gremlins, Total Recall, and The Mummy. Oh, The Mummy. The Mummy. So of that list, I think I've only seen Goonies. Really? Wait, Goonies was on the list. No, right? no, no. Oh. It was not. Fuck, what was on the list? There was one Gremlins. thing. Gremlins. Grem- I haven't seen anything on that list. Goonies is on the Spielberg list. Yes. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. not actually directed I wondered. By... I was like, where'd you get Goonies? Yeah, I'm sorry. I was just I like, I've definitely Goonies. heard it. Now I heard a G. Yeah. <laughs> Rambo, Logan's Run, Planet of the Apes, Gremlins, Total Recall, The Mummy, which... I've only I've seen, seen I guess I've seen Rambo. I've seen Logan's Run. I have not seen all of Planet of the Apes, but Gremlins is like my favorite movie. So, duh, we know mm. I've seen Gremlins and The Mummy. Duh, come on. I stop. haven't seen that. You haven't seen The Mummy? No. Whoa, that cast. I know. I've I know seen like the joke. meme where it's like my sexuality is the cast of The Mummy. And it's not even a joke anymore. <laughs> it's just true. I literally saw fan art of the cast today and I went, yes, <laughs> on board with that. Okay, moving on from The Mummy or else I'll talk about it forever. The cinematography was Matthew Frank. Uh, Matthew Frank Leonetti, sorry. Also did tons of stuff in the 80s. I wrote down the ones that like were really well known. We have Fast Times at Ridgemont High, Weird Science. Star Trek First Contact. I wrote Star Trek and in my head I almost went, Shrek? <laughs> I almost was like, oh man, Shrek? I can't believe that. I've never seen Shrek. I've never seen Shrek. That's a lie. I've seen Shrek. God, <laughs> I've don't seen come Shrek. for me. Um, yeah, being dyslexic is fun. Star Trek looks a lot like Shrek. <laughs> I believe it. Uh, okay, and the budget was $10.7 million. Oh. Do you know how much it made? 
$62 million? Ooh, finally a surprise. Oh. $121.7 million. I was very close. You were so <laughs> close. Closer than my usual guess so of $1 million, So Okay, but last week you got it like dead on because you knew it. So don't even. Yeah, okay. Don't even. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that was all I had for facts. But before I do what I know is coming, it's time for what I like to call a new segment. And I call it. Haunted movie sets. Haunted movie sets. Haunted movie sets. That's the sets. theme song. Sets. <laughs> it sounds like we're saying sex. Sets. Yeah. It has movie to be kind sets. of like off key, like sets. sets. <laughs> Haunted movie sets. Woo. Um. So this is not the only movie set that was like considered haunted or cursed or whatever. There's like a ton. So once we decided to do Poltergeist, I was like, well. We gotta talk about the curse. And I was like, well, if I talk about the curse, I might as well talk about the other ones that have this. So get ready. This is new. I'm so excited. This one's, <laughs> it's kind of sad that we are starting with this one because I will say, in my opinion, kind of a letdown for curses as far as curses go. Oh. I don't think it's cursed. Don't come for me, Poltergeist movie. Please don't curse me. <laughs> I promise I'm not trying to call you out, but I just don't think it's cursed. I will tell you what happened. Okay. So, the curse comes from the fact that it is not proven, it is not considered a fact, but the skeletons in the movie are real. Yes. So, um... Because it's cheaper. Because it was cheaper. Because back then, it was easier to just get skeletons from, like, morgue school... Not morgues, probably, but, like, wherever you get skeletons. I don't know. Fake ones were more expensive than real ones. Right. Plastic was just really expensive, so they were like, well, let's get real skeletons. Like I said, that is not technically proven, but the person who plays the mother... Do you remember her name? Uh, Joe Beth? That sounds correct. Uh, oh, it's hi, Joe Beth Williams. Sorry, Noodles back. Um, yeah, Joe Beth Williams insists, yes, these are these are real skeletons. Um, so even though that hasn't been proven, she is like, yes, they are. So that's kind of where the curse comes from, is the fact that, like, they did that and they upset a bunch of people whose remains were put in a movie and probably did not say like, hey, when I die, make sure my move, my, my body is put in the Poltergeist movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Probably wasn't in their will. Yeah, so that's like where that sort of comes from. Also, some people kind of speculate that the curse comes from the movie itself, like the what they were covering. So hmm. covering like, because if you haven't watched the movie, the whole reason that things are being haunted and all this is because it's on an ancient Indian burial ground. It's actually and, not on the Indian burial ground. Right. But yeah. they do say that in many of the, like, descriptions of the movie. Oh. Very strange, right? They never say this in the movie. Well, they say, like, they make a point of saying, oh, no, it wasn't, like, a like, Don't American. worry. Yeah. But if you read the descriptions of many, like... whatever a lot of them will say like because their house was made so there's this weird theory that because it was on or because it's covering a house that's supposed to be on an indian burial ground and as problematic as that is already yes it it was supposed to be what maybe made the curse is that like covering that like upset actual like native american spirits blah, blah blah i this is why i'm like this is not cursed but I will tell you why people think it is cursed. There were four cast member deaths mm-hmm. during and after the movies. And I will tell you what happened. Um, they're a little wild. And I do not think any of them have anything to do with the curse. But I will let you decide. Dominique Dunn's was weird. Yes. Dominique Dunn is Oh, no. The... Heather O'Rourke's was the 
really just anyway i'll yeah. let you get into this <laughs> heather o'rourke is the first one i have yes. so heather o'rourke is um she was the one that played uh carol ann mm-hmm. so in the movie she is about six years old she was in the second and technically the third she she passed away before the third one came out but there were a lot of rumors going around that she passed away um before the movie had finished filming and they replaced her with a double her her like agent and all of her family say like that's not true she finished filming months before this happened Mm -hmm. yeah the movie just hadn't come out um so at 12 years old she had she had been misdiagnosed with crohn's disease in 1987 the next year she got sick and she went to the doctor they said oh she's got the flu so you know she went home because when you have the flu they don't do much for you uh the next day she went into cardiac arrest and she died pretty soon after that. Um, they tried to do surgery because she had uh, a bowel obstruction. Um, and she died on the surgery, like on the table. Um, it's believed now that she actually suffered from a congenital intestinal abnormality. So it was something that like had they caught it, it could have been like treated probably. But she was misdiagnosed. So she passed away when she was 12 years old. Because she was cursed. And that's why people are like, <laughs> oh my gosh, it's cursed. It's because of the Poltergeist movie. And I'm like... I just don't think this is a curse. I think that this is just a lot of these people had some wild, wild things that happened. Two of them, two of the deaths are not what we'll get to it. We'll get to it. The next death was uh, Dominique Dunn. Yeah, that was sad. This one's very sad. This one, she played the older daughter. She played uh, Dana. She uh, had a long-term partner named John Sweeney, who was actually a chef in Hollywood. I believe chef. Um, they broke up. Months later, uh, he came to her house and begged her to get back with him. She refused because I'm assuming they had troubles before this. And obviously she was like, no, I'm not going to take you back. He, unfortunately, he strangled her. Um, I, there's different sources. One of them said, like, he left her for dead in her own driveway. She did not die in her driveway. That is not true. One of the sources I read was like, she died there. She did not die there. Um... She was taken to a hospital. Uh, she unfortunately passed away about four days later. She was in a coma, but she did pass away. And here's the worst, not worst part, because she did pass away. But one of the most frustrating parts is that he was sentenced to six and a half years in prison. He only served three years and seven months. And he was released. So that is another one that people say, it's because of the curse. I, again, I, I think it's just a very unfortunate thing. These are the two deaths that I think are very weird that people are saying these are part of the curse uh julian beck and will sampson so julian beck and will sampson were both in the sequel Mm -hmm. they were not in the first one julian beck plays an evil preacher um he's supposed to be i believe the demon uh abel is it abel cable cables well there's a marvel character okay he's he's something okay (laughs) i have not seen the second one but i know he's a scary preacher he he died of stomach cancer he was 60, uh, 60 years old, I think, maybe a little older. And that's very sad, but he had been suffering from stomach cancer while filming. It wasn't like he suddenly developed stage no. four stomach cancer. It was like he knew during filming that he was sick. And they're all like, it's because of the curse. No, I think this man had stomach cancer. And then Will Sampson, uh, he was also on, in the second one, he's actually the same person who performed an actual exorcism. On this, because of the curse, 
that he was um, upset that they had used like real bodies and that they had messed with all of these things. So he performed an actual exorcism after shooting one day. Um, yeah, so that's why people also said there was probably a curse is because they did an exorcism and upset a lot of weird things. Yeah. Um, so Will Sampson was in the second one. He played um, a Native American shaman as a, like, as a spirit. And I'm guessing it's a white actor? No, no, oh, it is okay. genuinely a, a Native American Okay, actor. that makes me feel better. Um, he was also in um, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Never seen that. I haven't seen it either. That was his most famous, like, role. Okay. Uh, so he did this. Um, unfortunately, he passed away because he had a heart and lung transplant, which has a very, like, it's unlikely that it will take usually like a it's rejection a very, rate yeah it's very rare like for it to go very well basically yeah. um and he was apparently very weak before he had the surgery so he knew that like it was not likely that he would survive but people are still saying that he died because of the curse mm-hmm. um so that's how he passed away um people also attribute the fact that the the second and the third movie and the reboot failed because of this what? curse um, actually the third one and the second, probably the third one mostly though, failed because they couldn't promote it because of Carol Ann, the girl who played Carol Ann, because she passed away. They wanted to be respectful. They so stopped they, in the middle of the tour. Yeah. So they stopped and they didn't really promote it until way after it had like come out at that point. But everyone still insists that because of the curse, it didn't succeed. And I was like, there's a lot of reasons actually. Um... <laughs> So this segment is debunking haunted yeah. sets right now. And like, and listen, it won't always be this, but just this one specifically, I was like, this movie, I, I don't believe this movie. I think the curse. omen is for sure curse. Oh, I'm yeah. sure the omen. And also we'll cover this eventually, but um, The Conjuring mm. filmed like in a genuine like haunted location. So they were having really, really bad experiences, the entire cast. And I can't wait to talk about that. Mm, I'm excited for the content. And it wasn't just about the actual movie. It was just in general where they were. So we'll get to some actual haunted ones. Unfortunately, we are starting with one that I don't believe is haunted at all. I think that bad things happened and people were like, ah, oh, fuck, I don't know. Maybe it's cursed. Maybe it's cursed. <laughs> um, no. And I got my sources. Like, I literally just, I Googled, like, the, the curse. I looked it up. I had three different sources. Um, oh, I didn't write down the third one. Biography.com, oxygen.com. Like, and they all had, like, conflicting things, too, which proves even more that, like, this is not cursed. Like, they were making, oxygen.com had more of a genuine take on like what happened to dominique Mm. biography.com was just like she died in our driveway and i was like no like she didn't (laughs) so it seems like the curse has been blown out of proportion Mm. but that is our first segment on haunted movie sets i do okay i never know i never know i don't know (laughs) i never know this one time uh i don't know if this has been backed up but they do say that the clown that attacks Mm -hmm. oh is this the strangling yeah that is actually true okay so i don't know if this has i meant to write this down i don't think this has anything to do with the curse i think this is just practical effect gone like practical effects gone wrong the clown that strangles the sun is genuinely strangling yes. a boy. and he started, like, turning purple, mm-hmm. and they thought he was just a really good actor, and yeah. then they saw him actually turning purple, yeah. and they were like, holy fucking shit. Yeah, so, like, the scene that you see of him being, like, like, choking, that boy is choking, um, 
this poor boy. And they're saying like, it's the curse. And I, again, it's just a, a sad, unfortunate practical effect gone wrong. Sorry, I, I made the mistake of trying to pet my cat and he got very mad. Um, but yeah, that's haunted movie sets. Hopefully I the next it. one will actually be haunted. Eh? And I'm not saying it's not. Listen, if you believe in the poltergeist curse, who am I to say you're wrong? Mm-hmm. But you're not right. You're not wrong, but you're not right. Listen, I'm just Nikki saying. Solomon, one. You can quote me on that. Don't. Please don't. God, I can't. Um, <laughs> I can't take angry feelings. And then I know what time it is. Mm-hmm. You thought you could delay it. You I thought if I just did this part, you'd be like, you know, she did so well. Mm-hmm. We'll no. skip it. No, I enjoy this too much. <laughs> I don't even know the names of any of these families. <laughs> okay, there's a family. They live the in. Freelings. California. Did I get that right? I think they're in California. Sure. Yes. Okay, you can't tell me I'm wrong, so <laughs> I'm right. Um, they live in California. They have, I, I think it's a new-ish house. They've either recently moved in or something. I believe it's, like, from his company. Like, the dad's company. Like, they lived in, I don't know. They were, like, phase one or phase two, and they're in, like, phase four of development. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, So, and I think it's, like, his company, his boss or someone is the one that, like, developed the land. Yes. Um, you eventually find out. That it was a cemetery underneath these properties, and he was told that the bodies were moved. Wrong! So, they start experiencing paranormal hauntings, and a lot of it is focused on their young daughter, Carol Ann. And one day, the poltergeist haunting takes a deadly turn. Well, not deadly. She doesn't die in the movie. It takes a scary turn, and poor Carol Ann <laughs> is sucked into a TV, and, uh... She just kind of, like, chills in there for a while. And they bring in, like, uh, some paranormal investigators. They eventually bring in a psychic who has a baby voice. And uh, they all fight to get Carolyn out. And then you think things are good. And then shit isn't good. And there's skeletons in a pool. And I think the, the, the house is sucked into the ground. It's sucked into, like, a wormhole. Who's giving the synopsis, Kate? <laughs> it's me. <laughs> there's a moment of silence. And then Nikki's like, ah! <laughs> do not correct me i am right <laughs> i'm just gonna sit my margarita <laughs> yeah who made you that margarita mm-hmm. me you just handed me the ingredients <laughs> well who else is gonna hand it to you <laughs> whatever i'm right it was sucked into the ground <laughs> i heard i heard that if you go there now and you dig it's still there <laughs> I heard there's a marker. That's why it's cursed, is because the house is still there. <laughs> the house is still underground. It's, it's so cursed. You know, it pops up like the coffins later in the movie. Yeah, every now and then it just pops up and they're like, oh, it's that time again. <laughs> can, I, can I have a real... Man, it's August plot. already. <laughs> every August, the poltergeist house rises. It's like the cicadas. Oh my God. Every 17 years, <laughs> brood 10 poltergeist house. <laughs> <laughs> it's so stupid. <laughs> I just picture them like shaking the dirt off and being like, "How ah. screams, fucks, and dies." <laughs> As all houses do, is part of nature. It's uh, the life cycle. Okay, the houses are screaming. Nature is healing. Nature seems brutal, but that's just the way it that's works. That's how it is. <laughs> That's why I move so much. It's because my house keeps sinking into the ground. The houses are returning to the sea. Nature is healing. (laughs) (laughs) 
is my favorite cow meme. Oh my god. That picture of the cow <laughs> looking at the ocean and just being... <laughs> nature is healing. Okay, so yours, your favorite is nature is healing. My favorite is that same cow looking out into the ocean and it just says, I may be stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I have a dog version of that. <laughs> I like, may be stupid. The Shiba Inu, like, side-eyeing. Yes. I may be stupid. <laughs> and there's nothing else. Because that's it. I just may be stupid. <laughs> it's a possibility. Okay. A distinct possibility. Somebody please just make me merch of the, the house <laughs> sitting on the ocean and it just, says, <laughs> it just says nature's healing. <laughs> oh, God. I'm so glad we've invented such a beautiful lore. I love this it. This is better than the curse. Better than the curse. Oh, my God. Okay, give me a real one. Do you have okay, a real right. one? Yeah, I have one from Rotten Tomatoes. Okay, okay, okay. Our favorite. Mm-hmm. Strange and creepy happenings beset an average California family, the Freelings, Steve, Diane, teenage Dana, eight-year-old Robbie, and five-year-old Carol Ann, when ghosts commune with them through the television set. Initially friendly and playful, the spirits turn unexpectedly menacing, and when Carol Ann goes missing, Steve and Diane turn, a, turn to a parapsychologist and eventually an exorcist for help. I burped. <laughs> so like contemplative i wanted to answer you but i had to get that out first um okay so it was an exorcist i 100 percent just thought she was a psychic uh so i would actually disagree with this uh like qualification of her as an exorcist because yeah. she's not exorcising she is like i think they call her an extremely talented medium yeah. where like they have another it's not psychokinetic but they like clairvoyant yes because they do say, like, well, I mean, she does say, this house is clean. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's what an exorcism is, is cleaning it. <laughs> I wonder if there's, like, a determination mm-hmm. that an exorcism has to involve Catholic rites. And yeah, this doesn't. Because she's just like, go into the light, babies. Yeah, and they do. Much. She's just kind of giving directions to the yeah. ghost. And then she's, she's like, like, you got it. <laughs> yeah, she's like a crossing guard or something, you know? Kind of. She's got her little vest. Mm-hmm. Oh, and her baby voice. You it's know I'm going to do so many impressions of this woman, right? Yeah. I couldn't stop. I, every time I hear her voice, I think of Scariest Places on Earth, that mm-hmm. movie that I used to watch. Mm-hmm. Not movie, show. I'm sorry. If anybody else used to love that show, I used to watch it every night. She was the narrator, and she would always be like, this castle was placed on that. And you're like, oh my God, she's scary. But then you see her in this, and she's like, just kind of sweet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, it was... Very strange. When she's reassuring Diane. Oh, I'm I know. Just like, <laughs> cap for my nose. Yeah, I know. When she's like, get down there. If I look up too long, I'll get vertigo or whatever. She's and I'm whiplash. Like, whiplash. She's like, it doesn't make sense to get like. I know. No, she's just whiplash. And I'm like, what are you looking up like at the speed of light? What are you doing? <laughs> Who cares? She can say whatever she wants. She's adorable. Mm. Uh, that was another part. Uh, people are blaming her death on the curse. She died like natural causes at the age of like 78. Huh? And everyone's like, the curse. And I'm like. The curse. She, she Eight years old. Curse Whatever. I have a beef with this curse, I guess. Um, that was a good. That was a good. I liked that one. I. I mean, listen. I hit on some of those points, and I got California mm-hmm. right. You did so California. I'm chalking that one up to a win. Mm-hmm. Which means it's now time for Nerd Corner. Requisite jazz hands. Yes. Okay. So I feel like there are so many directions it could go, and I wanted to explore a few of them. One could look at this movie as a satirical take criticizing consumerism Mm -hmm. or a reflection of the changing cultural outlook, pessimism versus optimism, or a reassertion of the traditional family values, or a commentary on the pervasiveness of technology, primarily television. (laughs) 
And those aren't all mutually exclusive. Right. There can be like overlapping a mix of these readings. And those aren't the only interpretations either. God. <laughs> so that's why I was like having a hard time because I was like sitting there like looking in all directions and like, I have to follow all of these. Yeah, there's a lot going on. So I decided that I was going to choose kind of like a few to focus on, but I'm not going to go like piece by piece, mm-hmm. like thesis statement wise. I'm going to give it background and then right. I'm going to introduce how each of them could maybe fit into it. Okay. Yes. So can't cover them as like distinct interpretations, right. but we'll bring up like evidence for some of them. So potential influences. One of the first concepts I found when I was doing research was the tonal shift from the 70s to the 80s. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but I was not alive then. What? I know. (laughs) Wild. Oh, my God. Child of the 90s, not alive in the 70s. I can't believe that. So I definitely have to uh, rely on other sources for this. So I was going through and a lot of the sources describe the 70s as this era of pessimism, Mm -hmm. which like in my brain, I was like, I always had... The decade slightly off because I thought like the 60s was actually in the 70s <laughs> where I thought like the 70s was like the peace, free love, like hippie movement. But that was more like a 60s. It's definitely, yeah, yeah, like a 60s thing. So like looking back now, 70s is understood to be mm-hmm. like this kind of not dark era by like. It's sometimes a bit bleak. So, like, there was political uncertainty and upheaval due to the Watergate scandal. Right. We also saw the end of direct U.S. involvement in the Vietnam War. Right. And a lot of fallouts from that. Mm -hmm. And then the economy was struggling. There were rising oil and gas prices, an energy crisis, stock market struggles. Basically, there was a lot going on. 70s was wild. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Me knowing what exactly it felt like, it was rough. Like, listen, my entire knowledge of every decade comes from my weird, weird, distinct knowledge of costume history. Ooh. (laughs) So whenever you say a decade, I'm like... Yeah, it was kind of bleak. I can tell you why, because of the fashion. That's like, incredible. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, so that's all I know. But so, if you ever want like, a story, listen, someday I'll give you a whole story about bell bottoms. Fuck yeah. I want to know everything uh, about it. We love bell bottoms. So we have like the pessimism in the 70s, yeah. and then the 80s arrived with Ronald Reagan. Whew. Yeah, he's said to have like run on optimism. Like that's like kind of the catchphrase around it. One of them. Yeah. So... There is this, like, triumphant and hopeful return to, quote, traditional American values. Like, that was very much what Ronald Reagan was, like, running on. Yeah. And a direct quote from History.com. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. We love history. Yep. So this is about the differences in outlook from the 70s to the 80s. Mm-hmm. So, History.com. For many people in the U.S., the late 70s were a troubled and troubling time. The radical and countercultural movements of the 60s and early 70s, the Watergate scandal, the Vietnam War, uncertainty in the Middle East, an economic crisis at home had undermined Americans' confidence in their fellow citizens and their government. By the end of Jimmy Carter's presidency, the idealistic dreams of the 60s were worn down by inflation, foreign policy turmoil, and rising crime. In response, many Americans embraced a new conservatism, I can say that word, in social, (laughs) economic, and political life during the 80s, characterized by the policies of President Ronald Reagan. Often remembered for its materialism and consumerism, the decade also saw the rise of the yuppie, an explosion of blockbuster movies and the emergence of cable networks like MTV, which introduced the music video and launched the careers of many iconic artists. So that's... So we've talked about the 80s in terms of like competing cultural movements before. So I think like when we... Noodle has something to say. I know. I poked him on accident. You deigned to move and he was like no thanks my cat doesn't even like me <laughs> i love him so much i know he loves me but also like can't stand me <laughs> he loves me doesn't like me <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. there it is yep. yep 
Uh, so I think when we were talking about an American werewolf in London, we were talking about like there was this mm-hmm. like sexual liberation movement at the same mm-hmm. time as the conservative like growth. Right. And that was, you know, 80s. Um, and that's all the 80s had. Classic 80s. <laughs> but there was more of this decade, obviously. And this was kind of teased in the last quote. There was the growth and subsequent abundance of cable television. If numbers are your thing for anyone out there, (laughs) not for me. Not for me. Here's a direct quote from Encyclopedia Britannica. Only 8% of American households received basic cable in 1970. By 1980, that number had climbed to 23%, and it would double within the next four years. By the end of the decade, nearly 60% of American homes were wired for basic cable, and almost half of those were receiving some premium channels. Wow. So, like, when you got cable... Mm -hmm. You went from having, like, three channels to, like, 50. And that was mostly in cities. That is quite the jump. mm -hmm, Where you could, like, pick that up. So there was also, like, the ability to use remotes on, like, older TV sets. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so, like, there were a lot of, like, things happening in television technology where suddenly people had a lot of choices. Yeah. And spent a lot more time with their TVs and bought more TVs. Mm, Okay. I'm starting to see where we're maybe going here. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. I'm along for the ride. Independent stations also gained ground. There were channels that featured content specifically geared toward children. And VCR ownership rose from 1% to 68% over the decade. Oh, man, that's one number away from being funny. I know. I was like, that is so close to nice. I was about to say that. You said 60 and I went, I know where we're going. And then you said 8. No, you probably saw the disappointment in my eyes as I said it and knew that it wasn't going to be nice. Pour one out for that statistic. Pour one out. So to recap, so far, yeah. we have a shift from pessimism in the 70s to optimism in the 80s, a rise in conservative politics, and a sudden expansion of accessible television channels. Yeah. Now we add in consumerism. Yeah. Consumerism can refer to, quote, the theory that an increasing consumption of goods is economically desirable and the societal, quote, preoccupation with and an inclination toward the buying of consumer goods. Right. So basically, like, bye, bye, bye. <laughs> right. And I can only assume it had to have gone up because people had cable now, which I'm assuming means there were commercials. Yeah. And like like, shopping from home. Exactly. I was like, no wonder. Like this had nowhere to go but up. Like, holy shit. So to talk about like the sales in like the mid-decade, I have a quote from encyclopedia.com. We love encyclopedia.com. Lots of quotes because, listen, whenever there's something that's like explaining numbers, I was like, I don't trust myself to Mm. rephrase this correctly, so I'm just going to fucking quote it. Good. Honestly, a good call. Yes. Numbers are my thing. So thanks to encyclopedia.com who said, during a five-year period at mid-decade, the 91 million U.S. households purchased 62 million microwave ovens, 63 million VCRs, 57 million washers and dryers, 88 million cars and light trucks, 105 million color television sets, 31 million cordless phones, and 30 million million telephone answering machines. It was the greatest spending spree in America since the boom that followed World War II from like 39 to 45. Surveys showed that Americans were spending more time in malls than anywhere else except home job or school. Oh, yeah. So if they weren't there, they were in the mall. And then they made 7 billion trips in and out of shopping centers every year. By 1985, there are more than 26,000 shopping centers in the country with total annual purchases at those centers reaching $1 trillion. (gasps) I was not like a trillion. (laughs) I was like, she thinks I'm going to say billion. (laughs) You do. And like, what's so funny too is like, you're saying all this. And even though, obviously, Kate, I don't know if you know this. I also wasn't alive in the 80s. Mm, wild. I know. I know I look like a, a beautiful old crone, but mm-hmm. no. Um, 
I'm a middle-aged crowd. <laughs> um, but when you think of the 80s, it's become like synonymous. Is that the right word? Mm-hmm. Yes! It's become synonymous with like mall life. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. whenever I think of the 80s, I think like it's the mall. Because do you remember uh, Stranger Things? I mm-hmm. believe yeah. started in the very late 70s maybe? Or maybe it was like 80, 81. I think it's set pretty firmly in the 80s for Is at it? least the second and third season. Okay. Because if you notice the the most recent season that there was, it becomes very like, we're in the mall now. Like, the further into the 80s you mm-hmm. go, it's the mall. It's the mall. And that's like, it's so weird how, yeah, like, you think of the 80s, you think of, like, malls. Mm-hmm. And I, like, Great. was taught, okay, so two things. There was a book that I listened to on an audiobook that was, like, Millennials, like how we became the burnout generation, or like burnout, how millennials became the burnout. Generation. I don't right. remember. I think it was called burnout, how millennials. Somehow like, yeah. we are we are the burnouts. Got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it was basically it did like a dive into boomers and the greatest generation, and basically like the economical or like societal stressors that they were like recovering from, and it talked about how in the eighties there was just this like massive economic growth. Yeah, that they thought was limitless. And there are no consequences for actions. We're going to keep going up and up and up. And, like, it was just this total mm-hmm. rejection of recognizing that wealth has to be created from oh somewhere. <laughs> and then, like, I was talking to my mom at some point, And I was basically talking about, like, how millennials tend to view things now. Instead of, like, I'm going to get this job and work my way up the corporate ladder. And then I'm right. going like, to stay here for forever. And I was talking about, like, the acceptance of student loan debt. Oh, and... God. About, like, not ever thinking I'll be able to afford a house. Like, I was just kind of explaining this economic outlook. And she was like, in the 80s, there was so much hope and everything felt possible. Is that optimism? Yeah. Like, that's wild. Yeah. Because, yeah, like, if I think about owning a house, I laugh out loud. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, no, like, that'll never happen. No. Absolutely not. And why why would I? I'm like, no, like, I can't do that. You know why? It's because of the avocado toast. It's... Yep. Here, you know what? I've never even had it. <laughs> okay, well, it's probably because of the coffee you're buying then. If you just oh, make your own coffee. coffee. <laughs> you could uh, have a house if you stopped I, buying Starbucks. <laughs> if I just stopped having cold brews once a month, ugh, I could have had a house by now. Uh-huh. Yep. So says Forbes or some shit. I'm not hustling know. enough, Kate. Oh, you need a side gig. I need a side gig. Yeah. My full-time 40-hour job is not enough, and I need a side job. You know I feel like a fool. You need to do, you need to turn a hobby that you love doing yes. into something soulless and painful. Absolutely. Yeah, that's what I'm going to start yeah. doing. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Got it. This is easy. People, yeah, why is everyone else doing it? Come on, millennials, you <laughs> idiots. <laughs> What's your excuse? Stop eating toast. I love toast. I could I kill for toast. some toast right now. Yeah. Oh, no, it's the toast thing that we talked mm-hmm. about. Insatiable toast theory. No, now I need it. Mm-hmm. I already had toast today, so I'm immune. Oh, you did this last time. You oh, were immune last time. I have toast every day. <laughs> it's because you know. It's because I know. This is a bigger curse than the poltergeist curse. It is. It is indeed. <laughs> it's a like, more real curse. <laughs> it's really scary. <laughs> <laughs> all right tell me this. about the 80s <laughs> so you may be wondering why does all of this matter because we watched a movie about stacked chairs stolen children in an unfinished swimming pool Oof. so here's where we get to the multiple interpretations of poltergeist throughout the film we see this like overt patriotism paired with consumerism mm-hmm. so the opening scene features the national anthem and like a close-up of tv set yeah, it where it's like yeah. pixelated mm-hmm. and later you realize that it's like the end of the night like patriotic right. thing and then it goes to static because mm-hmm. there wasn't programming 24 7 right yeah 
Not like now. (laughs) Not like now. (laughs) And soon after that, we get to see the neighborhood from like a roaming aerial shot. So Mm -hmm. all the houses look the same. There's kids on bikes, people out walking, the perfect little suburb streets, and a totally generic seeming American middle class family. You know they were all at the mall earlier. (laughs) They were all at the mall earlier. And they have a house that looks just like their neighbors. Mm -hmm. They have three kids and a dog. The father works in real estate. The mother stays home. To take care of the children, as all women should. Come on. And they're building a pool in their backyard. <sighs> they're living the dream. So they're almost like the epitome of domesticity and like the middle class American dream. Right. And then. Then <sighs> we get into the horror. And then. And then. So then Carol Ann is pulled into the TV, or she's pulled to the TV by right. voices that only she can hear. And later she's literally pulled inside. I think she goes in the closet, but they hear yes. her through the TV. Right. And she's taken by angry spirits that haunt their house. Mm-hmm. It turns out their turns out <laughs> it turns out their <laughs> home was built on an old cemetery where the developer moved the headstones but not the bodies. Right. Hence the classic quote that we'll get into later. So maybe the moral of the story is that their blissful 80s existence was built upon a rotten decaying core. Maybe their happiness the has 70s. come from the cost of oppressing <laughs> and devaluing others. And this interpretation does have strengths. Mm-hmm. There's the frankly hilarious minor moment to me. Like, I, like, paused it, rewound, watched it again. So Carolyn is, like, real close to the TV set in the kitchen. It's, like, nose to screen. (laughs) And uh, she's watching Static. And so the viewer knows that she's probably, like, listening to the voices. Right, yeah. But to, like, her mother, she has her nose to, like, a static screen. Yeah. And... Diane says, oh, honey, you're going to ruin your eyes. That is not good for you. And changes the channel. It's like this grisly war movie. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Oh, I can't wait to get into it. There were some moments in this movie. mm -hmm. And then she goes to do the dishes. Problem solved. Good parenting. Fixed it. So, like, (laughs) could this moment be a critique on the preoccupation of children with the TV? Mm -hmm. The sunny optimism that masks real danger. Right. Is the movie challenging the idea of the American dream? Maybe. We have a scene where Diane is smoking pot and making sexual jokes to her husband while he lays on the bed reading a book about Ronald Reagan. And in another scene where she's trying to convince him of the paranormal occurrences, she says, reach back into our past when he used to have an open mind. And so (laughs) all of these things are just so hilarious. It could could be satire. Quite funny. (laughs) But I think something complicates this. Yeah. So this is a point that was brought up in an article by Nick Schlager. Mm Mm-hmm. And in this article, Schlager points out that the only way the family was able to retrieve Carol Ann and escape the evil was through embracing heteronormative constructions of the familial unit. I.e. Stephen has to tell Carol Ann to ignore the light and, like, be the authoritarian. Right. Diane is instructed to be nurturing and risk everything to retrieve Carol Ann through, like, a strangely birth-like experience. Oh, yeah. Even the goo. uh Uh-huh. This movie had so much goo. So much squick, man. So they're, like, reborn to their acceptance of traditional values as reagan preached so they're not gonna be able to s- they're allowed to see the cutco demonstration oh my god <laughs> the fucking cutco demonstration oh my god i'm sorry we shouldn't bring it up i will die again <laughs> kate got to see a cutco demonstration but it was like very heavily implied that like if you're gonna watch this you gotta watch it with your husband mm-hmm so, um, yep. that was great. Because queer women don't exist. <laughs> I just picture them being like, would you like a knife? And I'd be like, oh, I'm gay. And they'd be like, oh, hand. never mind. <laughs> it's like a woman reaches out for a knife, so it slaps their hands like, where's your husband? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you look gay. <laughs> no knife for you. No knife for you. <laughs> so don't worry. The Poltergeist family is allowed to have Cutco. They're allowed to have Cutco. <laughs> for them. 
God. So, like, this all could be reasserting the importance of, like, family values. Or it could Mm -hmm. be lampooning them. Right. And after all, like, it turns out that the problem wasn't solved by that. So, like, you know. Right. Because that's not the end. Yeah. So, is it saying, like, oh, they tried to reassert domestic traditional American values. Can you hear the air quotes in my voice? Uh, I got to see them. (laughs) But, like, that wasn't the solution. The solution was something else. So, that's, like, another complication. And then there's another facet to add in. Cultural anxieties around technology. So, how does Carol Ann make contact with the spirits in the house? Through televisions in the home. And and I say televisions because they had at least three. They had one in the kitchen, one in the bedroom. Oh, they did. I don't know why. Dining room. You thought they like moved it? Yes, I thought they were just like, someone grabbed the TV. We're going to the kitchen. I'm making waffles. You get the TV. (laughs) Oh my God, I want a waffle. Move on. It's not important. (laughs) You always love waffles. They had a waffle that he fed to the dog in the movie, mm-hmm. and I lost my mind. I'm going to save that for horror because I was so upset. Yes. <sighs> I had a time where I, like, went Googling to see, like, all the foods that Dana eats in the film because I was like, are they making a commentary on, like, eating disorders? Because at one oh. point she's eating a pickle out of the fridge, and yeah. then the next one she's eating, like, a not a cucumber. She's eating celery. And then at the kitchen table, she's like, I'm not eating that. But, like... She, She's seen eating other things, and oh. so I don't think, I think it was just a weird moment of her right. being, like, stoned and eating a lot of pickles or something. Oh, because the daughter, yeah, she eats at celery, like, at the, yeah. But, like, celery, this might be coming from, like, trauma, but celery is, like, one Ooh. of those foods that everyone's like, oh, it's a negative calorie food. Like, it yeah, takes yeah. calories to burn. And so, like, when I see someone eating celery, I was like, oh, they hate themselves. <laughs> because I mean, that also comes to the fact that, listen, I'm going to say it. Maybe it's controversial. Celery tastes fucking disgusting. I hate celery. <laughs> someone tried to... Someone had the audacity to tell me once that celery has no flavor. And I was like, um, celery has one of the worst flavors. <laughs> to me, it's like minimal flavor, maximum texture. And I oh fucking hate the texture. Like, stringiness. Uh, it's like biting into a really wet rope. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, you yeah. guys. If you like and celery. You get the caught in your teeth. I'm like, not coming for you. If you like celery, that's totally fine. I like it in soup in tiny yeah. pieces. But I, I like will celery never. celery salt. Yes, I like celery. I will never bite in. You can't make me. No. Maybe join our Patreon. I'll eat celery, but I'll never do it for anything <laughs> I'll else. I'll frown the whole time. I will. Just like a delicate frown. Oh my God. I'm like, oh, <laughs> Cringe. So, televisions in the home, multiple mm-hmm. TVs. I got distracted by Dana eating food because right. I was like, is this a commentary on this see, too? I didn't even notice that. But yeah, I noticed celery, but that was it. Yeah, it ended up like not being a thing, mm-hmm. but I was like just wondering. But, right. Um, so there's always, like, a TV on in the house somewhere. Yeah. So, like, the dad falls asleep and the TV's on. Right. That's the opening scene where yeah, you get, like, yeah, the static yeah. and stuff. And so, like, in the kitchen, the TV's on. Mm-hmm. And so is this meant <clears throat> to, like, posit the technology's dividing families and only a return to family values will solve it and save the family? Yeah. So there's, like, this, you know, age-old question. That's not really age-old because technology. But, like, basically this... <laughs> Society-wide question of, like, are technologies that are meant to bring us together actually pulling us further apart? And then that's complicated by the fact that, you know, if you look at Facebook, it wasn't made to, like, connect people in, like, this authentic way. Right. And the development of it over time has literally been to be addictive, even though it's been shown to be bad for your mental health. So, like, anyone that says Facebook is meant to connect people, that's what they're trying to tell you. Right, (laughs) And I'm not trying to sound like 
red strings on a cork board, but like <laughs> there's a documentary about this. <laughs> I've seen the red strings on the cork board. Kate has so many. I have so many, okay. <laughs> she loves red strings. I do. <laughs> <laughs> So I guess what I'm saying overall through all of these things, mm-hmm. there's a lot happening here. Right. I'm not familiar enough with Spielberg's like overarching ideologies to posit one way or another what the intention yeah. was. And I didn't read any like interviews with him. Yeah, yeah. But intention is only part of the equation. There's also impact. This movie was movie. This movie. movie? This movie was hugely successful, partially allowed really by the was. rating, which I'll talk about in the horror section. Oh, God. And it makes basically like every list of classic horror movies. And, you know, the question, is it because in addition to cool camera angles and practical effects, we could also see a reflection or a refutation of political ideology? Mm-hmm. I don't have answers, just questions. Yeah. And I look forward to hearing more perspectives on it because at the end of the day, like, I was like, maybe through research, I'll come to a conclusion. No. <laughs> I think through talking about it, I'll be like, okay, well, I think this might come down on right. the side of. But to me, sometimes I might be inclined to read something as satire if I'm like uncomfortable with it right because it's like oh this like is very tropey in this like heteronormative way so i'm hoping yeah. it's satire or like, like does something come around far enough on the you can usually just satire? know yeah. yeah i will say like my biggest example of like a movie mm-hmm. that is similar to what we're describing mm-hmm. in this movie mm-hmm. of like the great american life and this and that and consumerism is the movie greener grass oh. have you seen that Mm-mm. It is specifically, it is a wild movie. So if anyone checks it out because of this, just know it's wild. Do not come for me if you watch it and you're like, what the fuck was that? Because it is very weird. But it is this very, very, very campy, hilarious take on like suburban, this is my American dream Mm -hmm. kind of thing. There is a part where like a son who is not succeeding in math turns into a dog, like a golden retriever, and they're happier to have the dog. Like, wowza. Yeah, so it's a very weird movie. So when you were saying that, it was like, yeah, you can usually tell. Like, you know what I mean? Like there are some that are just aggressively satire, but then there are some like this where there were moments where I was like, is this funny? Like, what am I doing here? Like, (laughs) and so it's something that I think I overthink Mm -hmm. because I'll get kind of stuck in a loop. And I was like, well, what are the politics of this movie? Oh, like, what are like the dominant forces that funded this movie? Like, would it really be satire? So like, I get stuck in a loop of like questioning. (laughs) And uh, yeah, so I think that's enough society for now. Yeah. (laughs) Because talking about the 80s is like almost emotionally taxing for me. Oh my God, I I don't know why. I'm just like, the 80s. Oh my God, the 80s. (laughs) It's also funny because like we watch movies obviously in a different sense because like you obviously have to watch it with Nerd Corner in mind. I have to watch it with like, I don't know, (laughs) maybe there's a curse. (laughs) Like, so for me, movie watching is a lot more like relaxed. And I feel so bad because you're like, I had so many things I had to look for. And I'm like, oh, neat. The lighting was great. Like, (laughs) this is my way of saying everyone appreciate Kate because when she watches these movies, my God, she has to use so much of her brain. Uh, So like some of my notes what were was like were like the mom didn't cook any dinner we'll just go to pizza hut is that a commentary on the failure of like an american housewife or in my mind i was like oh pizza hut (laughs) (laughs) we we definitely have a different meanwhile i try desperately to notice color and i always just end up getting wrapped into other things (laughs) and i never notice (laughs) that we balance each other out oh yeah balance thank god because they said pizza and this is how susceptible i am to 
this is I almost ordered pizza. I was like, oh, pizza? I love pizza. I could get pizza. <laughs> That's all it takes. Did you know that there was a cut scene from this movie? About it would have made me buy it. No, it would have made me buy it. Stop. What is it? Okay, so you know that scene that I was just talking about? Yeah, you know <laughs> that, that one? That about one just now? <laughs> Where they're talking about like, oh, let's get Pizza Hut. Well, apparently in the next scene, they get Pizza Hut. Fuck yeah, they do. And Carol Ann or Robbie, one of them says, I hate Pizza <gasps> Hut. Pizza Hut took offense to that. They should have. And so they took it out. And so what you have is a jump cut from the kitchen to them outside the Tut Hills getting eaten alive by mosquitoes and awkwardly right. trying to ask if they've encountered paranormal things. And so a lot of people are like, that's a really weird cut scene because there was originally a scene in between. You know what? This might be my most controversial take on this podcast. Team Pizza Hut. I think it's very good. I don't care what anyone says. Yes, I know. Kate's giving me what? a look. Listen, they have stuck crust. I, <laughs> you can't just come for me right now and not try that. I know that I look... A- Gassed, but it's only because I realized that I've had Pizza Hut maybe twice in my life, and it was when I didn't like pizza. Listen, like, I'm not gonna say that it's the best pizza in the world. I'm not gonna say that, but I'm gonna say it's fucking good. Like, and you know what pizza I hate? I'm gonna say it, and everyone's gonna get mad at me. Papa John's. Papa John's pizza's horrible. I, <laughs> like, okay, so first of all, like, my pizza opinion should be taken with a grain of salt because I'm a dirty, nasty right. vegan. I was like, case of vegan. Yeah. <laughs> but... Even when I did eat pizza, like when I yeah. did eat dairy, I hated pizza. And I would pick the cheese off because I didn't like it. Oh my and God. now the person I am is that I get like this loaded veggie pizza oh from Domino's. And I Ooh. love garlic butter. Like I you can love make your garlic own butter. Balance. And so like I fucking love Domino's pizza. <laughs> Domino's is great. Listen, I have nothing against Domino's. They're very good. And this is like a weird thing that my dad and I have in common that I have had no one else describe. Maybe it's just a taste bud thing. Whenever my dad and I eat Papa John's or used to eat Papa John's, it tastes like a washcloth. <laughs> and I've never had anyone in my life ever describe it like that, except for my dad. Because he bit into Papa John's once and he goes, I can't eat this. It tastes like a washcloth. And I went, oh my God, it's not just me. So like, if you ever wonder if family has similar taste buds, they do. Mm-hmm. Because even my my shitty dad, who I don't give a shit about. But listen, that's the one thing we had in common. Pizza tastes pizza. like... Papa John's pizza tastes like a washcloth. Whatever. This is not Pizza Corner. Maybe we'll do it another time if pizza ever comes up again. Subscribe to our Patreon. (laughs) Subscribe to our Patreon or I'll just rate all of the pizzas. But you don't need me to do that because I already told you, pizza's number one. I'm going to get so many. I'm going to get hate mail because of this. People are going to think I'm garbage now. Whatever. Pizza's good. Everyone's allowed right. to have their opinions. Let's talk about horror. I like saying it like you do and I wish I could say it like you do. I I'm broken. That's why I say it the way I do. (laughs) Hey, we have something new for you. We have an ad. It's an ad. It's actually a cross promotion because we have um, a little bit of a promo for you from another podcast that's out there that is incredible. So good. Let's let them talk about it. Take it away. Do you like stories, fairy tales, adventure, happy, sad, scary things? Do you like fantasy gaming or just enjoy some good collaborative tale telling? Then do we have the podcast for you. Come travel with us in the lands of Un on Could Have Been Heroes podcast. Could Have Been Heroes is an actual play podcast where six old friends adventure as six total strangers who 
after missing their shots at Destiny, now get a second chance to make a mess of everything. Tumble down to Faritol, a world cast in the spirit of Wonderland and Oz, but with more murder, blood, and swears. Set in a unique and developing RPG that filters fantasy, horror, pop culture, and other wonderful nonsense through the brains of a bunch of weirdos making their dream game. You can catch Could Have Been Heroes on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and wherever else you get your podcasts. So this is actually a podcast that we both listen to. Yep. Yeah, so it's uh, an actual play, like TTRPG, super awesome people. Spoiler alert, I'm actually a patron of it. I think they have incredible content. And even if you're not a patron, they have just amazing content they put out on the normal feed. If you're a patron at certain levels, you get extra bonus behind the scenes content, as well as the actual materials for playing your own game. So I think it's totally worth it being a patron, but if it's not in the cards for you, you can still listen to all of their available content. They're awesome. It's hilarious. Yeah, I would say, like, I'm not a patron. I listen to this podcast because Kate told me about it, and I love it. Mm-hmm. The voice acting of every single person in this on this podcast is incredible. Mm-hmm. So highly recommend. Definitely check it out. I Like I said, I'm not a patron, and I'm still enjoying every single minute of it. So, like, if you don't have the means right now, still okay it's mm-hmm. so good yep definitely check it out so check out could have been heroes could have been heroes oh, i want to be a hero yeah i'm okay not being a hero yeah, okay it sounds hard <laughs> it sounds like a lot of work yeah. i'll let them do it you're doing great sweaty you're doing great sweaty <laughs> back to the horror now back to the horror one more time <laughs> All right. <clears throat> oh, she Here we go. notebook. <laughs> I tried to take real notes. Like, look, this is oh, all. Oh, yeah. I know. Kate's impressed by the fact that I took, like, more than one page, where Kate takes, like, seven. I just showed her my notes, and she went, wow. <laughs> was it that condescending? <laughs> it wasn't that condescending. <laughs> wow, look oh, how what? cute. Oh, it's nice. Did you actually do that? Did you draw that yourself? <laughs> how dare you. Um... So this movie is another one. We keep doing these movies that are, like, very funny. Like, we have not had a very, very, very just scary movie in a while. Mm -hmm. Because American Werewolf in London was really funny. Get Out was, in a way, quite funny. It had humorous moments. Um, This movie, again, was, like, pretty fucking funny. Mm -hmm. Um, For this one, I took my notes just kind of, like, in a bullet to be like, okay, I liked this, I liked this, I liked this. Um, one of the, f- the funniest moments is like when they have this funeral for the bird and Carol Ann is like, I'm going to say a prayer. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And she's really, I almost cried. Kate, this is how unhinged I am. Hmm? They were having a funeral for this fake bird in the eighties. And I genuinely almost cried. And then Carol Ann turns to her mom and goes, can I get a goldfish? Yep. <laughs> and then they cut to her feeding a goldfish. So I laughed so hard. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say the lighting is great i i didn't notice like anything too wild but it did have purpose so i wasn't like upset not like the one that shall not be named the fourth kind um it's just become my example of like lighting has to have a reason for doing what it does and this one was like relatively basic lighting for the most part unless they were experiencing like the ghostly things which was very blue very like intense um like rim lighting which is like that lighting that like really drastically lights one side of your face or kind of silhouettes you in a way 
Um, so there was a lot of that, which is great. Like, if it's done well, I think it's really pretty. Like, that moment where, you know, I don't know names, where the mom and the dad. Diane and Steven. Diane and Steven. Where they kiss and they're about to send poor Diane into this fucking paranormal world mm-hmm. and there's that moment where they're silhouetted by that really intense blue light and they're kissing and you can kind of see their silhouette again that's beautiful and they use that really well there were like carol ann with the tv being mm. very like she's drastically lit from the tv and you can just see like her hair and stuff from behind mm. so the lighting was good they had a lot of things where they were like using silhouettes really well which is like, it's not necessarily, like, super hard to do, I would say. But, like, you have to do it with reason. And they did. It was great. Um, I also... This is weird. I, I loved the sound design. This is another one that had the juicy foley. A very juicy foley. Did you notice? I used The scene to- <laughs> where he's tearing his face off. That was, like, yes. the juiciest foley I've encountered yeah. in a while. Um, Even the beginning. Like, literally, this is one of my first notes, juicy foley. Because... With the dog? The dog. Yeah. The dog is, like, running around. It starts with him, like, trying to wake up every family member. And he's eating things. And you kind of hear the little, like, crunches. His paws. And this is all stuff that I can't say for sure. But I'm almost positive this is stuff that had to be done in a studio afterward where like obviously you have foley artists who are watching the movie and then creating the sound with objects you know so like that's great that's a really hard job so when it's done well i really love it that was so cool yeah yes it's so cool and like the things they use is just so cool um i said it's pretty funny you know i really really hated the clown doll i anticipated that yep um I thought about this. Probably hit a Carol <laughs> uh, We're not there yet, but it's in my notes. Um, the clown doll scared me more than it. <laughs> Specifically, the new it. Mm-hmm. Um, the dandy man. That clown doll genuinely gave me more of a fright because it was more classic clown than the dandy man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was really scared of the clown. I thought they did a good job of taking something that looked... There's a bug and I'm watching it. Um, it took something that looked genuinely, you know, happy and normal and was a toy. And it just was so sinister. sinister. Mainly because of the fact that it, like, never changed. Mm. Even when it was, like, attacking, you know, the sun. Even when it was just doing anything paranormal. It still had the same face. So it really just was unsettling the whole time. It never really had life as much as it just had intent. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, like, no, that's a really cool way of saying it because my thought was like it didn't have life out of animation where it was right. just like, you know, the puppet of another thing. Yeah. But like intent is a really good way of saying Exactly. That. Like it never had, if I had to like put it in a solid description is like, I don't think that clown itself ever had a thought going through its, its head. Mm-hmm. I think it just had something controlling it. So it just had the intent of wanting to hurt the sun but it was still just a doll. Yeah. And I think that's what made it so scary is that like something that could be so normal could want to hurt you, but you don't know what it actually is causing that. That was terrifying. Mm. Um, the tree silhouette was beautiful. Again, they used silhouettes really well, which this could be a Spielberg thing because he has used silhouettes in a lot of his movies. I, I believe... He did this. I'm gonna sound so stupid. He did Jurassic Park, correct? Yes. 
he was Jurassic really Park. good. This is a diversion that we yeah. can get into later, but uh, he was really good with the kids on set. Like, that's, oh, like, yeah. a continuing thread is oh, that good. a lot of child actors, of like, he was very soothing because there was a hurricane during the filming of Jurassic Park. And they were, like, locked down. And, like, one of the cameramen, like, went out, got some footage, whatever, but... Like, the kids, like, he kept them entertained. He played cards oh. with them. He, like, did a bunch of stuff. All so, right. Yeah, apparently he was really good with kids. <laughs> oh, I love that. Yeah. Um. But, yeah, in that movie, also, you see, like, a lot of dinosaur, like, shadows. And they use a lot of silhouettes of characters and things and lighting to make interesting choices. So, this isn't new or whatever. It's known that he does this, and it was great. Um. The tree is so scary because of the silhouette. Like, when you see it as a tree... Obviously, you're like, oh, well, that's just a big, gnarled, scary tree. But when you see the silhouette, it, it takes away any of its characteristics. It makes it something foreign and strange. It's not foreign. It's not the right word for it. Um, makes it something... Unknowable. Unknowable. Yes. Like, it's just like you can't quite perceive what it's supposed to be. So it takes away any, like, knowledge you have of it and starts... It's the, the fear of the unknown. Mm, yeah. The ambiguity. Just, and- yeah, like... It was a tree, but now you're seeing this weird silhouette, and you're like, that doesn't look like it anymore. And then it eventually does attack the sun, so it's really scary. Um, Yeah, like, this is where my notes took a turn. <laughs> um, So I had to watch this movie in bits and pieces. Yes. Um, HBO is a really good app that doesn't crash ever. Don't get me, don't get me fucking started on <laughs> HBO. HBO... This is a call out. You have amazing content, but what the fuck? <laughs> I this movie froze like eight times, and Do when it better, <laughs> when it freezes, it freezes my entire PS4. But I digress. Whatever. I digress. Um, I digress. Uh, roll on the R. Beautiful. Digress. Yeah. So it, it kept freezing, but I had to watch it in pieces. So I loved the foley. I loved everything. Then I watched the part where, at this point, they have rescued Carolan. You know, there was beautiful lighting, like, with the ghosts that come down the stairs. Um, Which, if you notice, it's really cool. Like, when you watch it um, from, like, a POV shot or, like, from the eyes of a character, you can see a person. You know, you're you're watching, like, a person walk down the stairs. But then when you watch it back on the camera, it's a little more of just, like, a big ball of light, almost. You still see people a little bit, but it's a little more, like, obscured. So, like, I was like, that's kind of nice that they changed, like, how it would look. Um... But the, the poor mother. I love whoever you, whatever whoever played the mother. Joe Beth Williamson. Okay, Joe Beth Williamson. I love you. You did a great job. I thought your acting was very good until until she gets t- dragged up the wall. <laughs> she. I don't know if the only thing they told her was I don't know wiggle a lot because all she did was flail and like she moved her body like. She was made of rubber. Like, anytime anything touched her, she was like, ooh, like she was moving around. And it wasn't just that part where she was on the wall. It was also when she was climbing out of the pool. She was, like, really moving her body aggressively. And I was like, all right. (laughs) And because of that, they also made the foley really intense. Yeah. If you notice, like, And again, I can't say for sure, but a lot of it sounded like voiceover when she's like making sounds to be like, oh, I'm struggling. Exertion sounds. Exertion sounds, which kind of sounded like porn. (laughs) Um, I had walked away at one point to just grab something out of my dining room 
And all I could hear was, ah, ah, ah. And I was like, what the fuck is she doing? I was like, I swear to God, if I go back and she's fucking a skeleton, I'm going to lose my mind. She wasn't. She was just climbing out of a pool. And I was like, okay. So the Foley went a little intense for me. I don't think that that is on the Foley artists. I think that's just like, they went a little wild and eh, all right, you do you. But I got a little frustrated at that part just because I was like, okay, it, it escalated to a point and then it escalated too much for me. Yes. To like yeah. full on camp at some point. Yeah. 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 Where I was like, the scares were getting really good. And then, and it's a really cool thing for a horror movie to be like, everything solved. Okay, just kidding. It isn't. I love when movies do that. So I was really excited when I was like, oh, there's still scary things to happen. But then it just felt like they went over the top a little too much where it became too campy. Mm. So like the horror became less horror and more just like, yeah, I don't know, a little too wild. No, but I can see that. Yeah. So and I still liked it. I but yeah. I apologize to Joe Beth Williams, not Williamson. I hecked up. Oh, Joe, Joe Beth Williams. Williams. And also, again, like, that's not on her. I thought her acting in this movie was really great. Mm-hmm. I thought maybe she just, like, got some direction to go really wild or, like, to be a little more over the top. And I thought it was just a little too over the top. So it took me out of it a little bit in that moment where I just wasn't scared anymore. That was I, when I, like, turned away from my screen and, like, did a few things on my phone. Yeah. Like, yeah she's just wiggling across the ceiling for yeah, a while. Yeah, I think they just focused on the wrong thing for too long. Like, I was like, I don't need to see her on the ceiling for that long. I don't need to see her crawling through the mud in her underwear that long. Which, like, it's not an 80s movie unless you have a woman in underwear and a big t-shirt. Yep. What is it with the 80s in underwear, big t-shirt? That was the look. As soon as she got into the shower, I went, she's going to put on a big t-shirt in her underwear. And then this whole thing is going to take a turn. <laughs> and I was right. Yep. So that was another thing. I was like, all right, it's the 80s, whatever. Um... Also, okay, I'm sorry that this keeps, every time we do horror, it starts with me just going down a fucking list. Um, One of my favorite scenes in this entire movie was, and I don't know if this was made for laughs or if this is a genuine moment. There is a moment where the house is, again, being sucked into the ground, or as Kate says, a wormhole. It's the ground, whatever, Kate. It, goes, it doesn't go into the ground. It goes into the ground, <laughs> it Kate. It goes out, like, backwards through a vacuum. It's in the ground. It's like a cicada. Um, (laughs) um, But they're in the car. The whole family's in the car. Uh The older daughter had been off at a friend's house. You're already laughing, so I feel like you know what part I'm about Uh to bring up. The daughter comes back and she goes, what's happening? Daddy, what's happening? Daddy, what's happening? And she's watching her house get sucked into the ground. And um, the son (laughs) is like, go, go, go. The son is watching his older sister sit outside of the car. And he goes, Keep driving, Dad. Dad, keep driving. Yep. <laughs> and the yep. dad is obviously trying to let the older daughter into the car, and the son is just screaming, Keep driving, Dad. Uh-huh. Yeah, that had me cackling. <laughs> I was laughing so hard. He was so ready to abandon his older... He was like, I'm fucking done with this. Get in the car or don't. I'm mm-hmm. going. I, I, I don't know if it was for laughs. I don't know. But either way, bravo. I <laughs> he yeah. lost it. Yep. That was the last thing I wrote because at that point I had laughed so hard I was done. The dad puts the TV out the hotel. Hotel that was really funny too, but mm. nothing can top the son being like "fuck you, let's go." What are your thoughts on horror? <laughs> now that I have like ranted and ranted, I love it. Uh, <laughs> one of my favorite moments is like when um, 
<clears throat> Sorry, right. I lost my voice for a second. <laughs> now my melodious tunes are back. She's nervous. Uh, <laughs> I was really nervous. Okay. <laughs> uh, so Diane is like going to the house. I think she's like in her bathrobe and yes. she misses Carol Ann. And she like goes up to the door and you think that she's going to have this like talking to Carol Ann and being like, mommy misses you, baby. And then she like tries to open the door and she's like, <laughs> just like Sharice. I loved that. And she like closes her. I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. <laughs> she apologizes <laughs> to the ghost. She's like, I'm sorry that I tried to say hello. It's just like, Mom, get out of my room. But it's like not that. <laughs> but it's just like this inhuman screeching, which oh is effective as a jump scare, but also just yes. like really. <laughs> they had a lot of those where it was like, oh, scary. Well, hold on. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's tricky. I'm. It's funny because like. I'm excited to cover a movie that is just mm-hmm. genuinely scary from start to finish yes. or like is just scary. There's no mm-hmm. laughs, but I will miss it because like it's funny to watch a movie and be like, was I supposed to be scared or is it okay that I think that's very funny? Yeah. Like <laughs> I was talking to my sister about it because I thought that this was the movie that like scarred her emotionally. No, it was a different one. Well, um, okay. Yeah. You know, Halloween. But um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. But the scene that, like, calmed her down because she does not like scary movies. Uh, Still very supportive of the podcast. Love it. Thank you so much. (laughs) She's great. Uh, It truly is. That was not meant to be a throwaway. She's fine, I guess. (laughs) Whatever. Whatever, I guess. But the scene that, like, took her out of it in a way that she was able to watch it is when the skeleton just, like, zooms up onto the the car the skeleton just fucking yeeted itself in the car mm-hmm. and was like what up <laughs> hey friends it's there were some moments yeah that like take you out of it but then there's some moments that really bring you back and it's yeah. really great especially for the 80s like you have to watch it in the lens of like these special effects aren't going to look obviously like something you're used to now um so you know like when the big skull is in the face or in the face in the doorway that's, I mean, I love like, that. I love that. I thought that was great. I thought that that was like kind of scary. And like they do the similar thing with the big ghost creature. With the, like arms and the joints. Yeah, they the... do a good job of making its arms bend in certain ways that like. Irregular. Yeah, so it kind of upsets you. The only thing I didn't like about that is they do use, it's just like lions roaring. Yeah. So when it, when the, like the monster crawled out, I was very scared of it. But then I heard the sound and I was like, oh, okay, like. That took me out of it a little bit just because I was so obviously like some kind of animal. So it was a less it was less paranormal. One of the articles I read said that it was like actually the MGM lion sound. Yes. And that it was kind of like a poke at that. Oh, okay. I that was literally one article out right. of like ten. I mean, to and that's interesting. I yeah. I think that it even if it was that or wasn't, either way, I still think yes. it's a little detrimental to like mm-hmm. the scare that you're trying to get across. Just cause if it's so obviously one thing, it takes that fear of the unknown completely away. Because yeah. you're like, I'm looking at this ghostly creature, but that is so clearly like a lion or a yeah. tiger or something. So like... Just like change the pitch or something. <sighs> so they lost me a little bit on that one. But I still loved the effect of the actual creature itself. Yeah. Something that I did like was that like in the pool scene where uh-huh. it's like... She's actually still in the water, the mud, and, like, the skeletons are, like, blooming around her. Yeah. And it doesn't look like they're puppets that are, like, reaching out and grabbing, but, like, they're existing and being buffeted by the water in ways they're scary. So it, like, straddles that that line of, like, they have their own movement capability versus they're just fucking there, places where skeletons shouldn't be, arguably most places. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Generally, most places skeletons shouldn't be. Yeah. 
It was nice and ambiguous because yeah. yeah. it was kind of like I didn't know if it was reaching out for her or if it was just like oh, just existing yeah. and like its arm lifted because of the water or because of like her flailing yeah. made it move. And so I love things that are ambiguous like The Descent yes. where you have to question whether yeah. like the horror is real or in their minds, like that sort of yeah. thing. Yeah, That's another thing that I say all the time or I've said in multiple episodes. It's just like trusting your audience to be like, you can make your own decision about this. Um, and that's sometimes like the scariest part of a movie is whatever you can come up with on your own. Mm-hmm. That's the it's, nothing is scarier thing. Yeah. It's like, you know, movies give you the blueprint, but you got to build the house. Like you just got to like figure out what you want from this in some, like, you know, some ways. Um, but it's tough to do, I think, because like sometimes they don't give you enough. Sometimes they give you too much. There's a fine line if you want to make something very ambiguous. Yeah. I thought this one did a pretty good job at that sometimes. Yeah. So that was great. Um, I did love that like you got a lot of the light from like the TV a lot of times. Mm-hmm. So that was really cool. Um, one thing I also loved is that it did take place in their pool. Like, the scariest moment with, like, the skeletons and everything. The moment you realize, like, oh, there are still bodies here. Because their pool was, like, their dream. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like this, you know, their big dream mm-hmm. taken away by... Like, the mark of middle class ascension. Yeah, it's like, yeah. you know, you want a pool that's, like, a mark of financial, right. like, stability. Because you stuff. hear them talking about it in the beginning of, like, oh, we'll do this and we'll do that with the pool and this. And then it becomes, like the biggest moment of terror for them mm-hmm. and that was really cool i thought it like is a nice juxtaposition of like this is something i've wanted forever and now i just want out of it mm-hmm. so that was cool the movie's good yeah you know like uh, there were moments where i genuinely was like kind of creeped out mm-hmm. even though it had those like slightly cheesy 80s effects it had a nice atmosphere to it yeah so i liked it yeah, I think I like it most for, like, all the different ways that you could interpret it. Yeah. And then, like, I loved some of the jump scares. Yeah. And I thought it was fucking funny. Yes. <laughs> Where it's it just, like, it's really dry really humor. <laughs> yeah, it really was. I laughed so hard when he wheeled that TV out. And in my head, as he wheeled the TV, I went, this would be a really good place to end. And then the credits rolled. And I went, yes. Like, I was so excited. I, like, thought for a second that, the, like, he would wheel it out, the door would close, he would come out, like, kick it, and then go back right? in. Like, I expected this, like, <laughs> How funny would it be, though, if he, like, took it out, and he was like, oh, I'm done with this. And then you hear, like, Carol Ann or one of the kids go, where's the TV? And then he has to bring it back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that'd be great. That would be great. We're just rewriting Poltergeist. Um, <laughs> but that's... that is... <laughs> yeah, I have some notes. Yeah. Um, that's That's all I really had. I mean, for qualms, I mean, I feel like you have the obvious but it's weird because like you said they never say that this is an indian burial ground but in so many weird tellings of this movie where they describe it or they talk about it or give you the plot synopsis they say indian burial ground which is weird because like they're so clear in the film that it's it's not not. and like it's supposed to be that like trope aversion thing yes where it's like, oh, you thought it was going to be like but this really not. racist thing. Right. But it's actually just a bunch of white people that then, were buried here. Right. But then when you watch the second movie, apparently that is a very big plot point. Is God that the, the good spirit that leads Carol Ann to escape the bad spirit <clears throat> is a Native American medicine man. I like hate that. Yes. Because it's like white people only like indigenous folks when they can benefit yeah. white people. So they, so they averted it in this one. But then they go right back to it in the second one. And also, when you describe this movie or if you ask anyone about it who, like, maybe hasn't seen it or hasn't seen it in a long time, 
they will tell you, oh, yeah, that's the movie where it takes place on an Indian battleground. Mm. It's like a well-known thing. But, yeah. like, that's what happens. And even I was, like, watching this and I was like, oh, right. I forgot. It takes place on an Indian battleground. I'm sure Kate's going to have interesting things to say about it. And then they so clearly say that it's not. And I was mm-hmm. like, then where the fuck do all of these descriptions come from? Very strange. So that's my only qualm, really. I mean, it really was, other than that, I I thought it was pretty good. A little heteronormative, but it was the 80s. Mm-hmm. So, like, what do you expect? You know what I mean? Like, it was like. They have their cut cone eyes. God, I'm so, they had to have so many cut cone eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, I. Like, the few moments that took me out of it. I did actually think it was a very good horror movie. Yes. It sounds like you're ready for tropes. I'm very ready for tropes. Okay. And also ready to hear about the ratings eventually whenever you... Yeah. Because I know you said it was... This movie's rated PG. Yeah. I forgot about that. Okay. 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 Yeah. Okay. So, originally, this movie was screened and the MPAA said, this is an R-rated movie. Because at the time, there was G-P-G-R. Right. There was no PG-13. Right. And so... Spielberg goes to the MPAA or whatever, and he's like, you have to rescreen this. And basically, like, pressured them into looking at it again. Right. And then it magically became a PG movie. And so there are, like, some articles that are basically, like, he knew that it wasn't PG, but he wanted it to be viewable to more people to get money, to get, like, a wider audience. Because obviously you're not going to... Yeah, with R. Yeah, and also... I, there are a few ways that I read this, but one is like a bargaining chip of sorts where it's like, if you rate this as a PG movie, then the MPAA will be able to create a PG-13, which will benefit you in the long run. Right. I don't know if that's actually like how it's summarized, right. but that's how I read it. But there could also just be like, don't worry, like this one's going to skate by, but we'll create something that'll catch the next one. Like, yeah, it was not supposed to be PG. It originally was screened as R and then through white men doing things and talking to other white men it became right, yeah. PG and then like emotionally scarred a ton of kids well yeah cause like I mean listen when I was first watching the movie cause you had told me about the rating thing before I watched it yeah. so I was like okay I'm gonna look out for this first watched it the very beginning kind of parts the ghost I was like oh this is I don't see what the big deal is I was like this does feel like a PG kind of like spooky movie and then you get like the face peeling off and the ghosts and the, the daughter is fucking kidnapped by ghosts. Like, that's pretty fucking scary. Mm-hmm. And then you have the mother who, even though they don't go very far into this, I mean, she's in her underwear and her shirt and mm-hmm. something's trying to lift her shirt up. Yep. That part is very upsetting. Mm-hmm. That she's dragged around the ceiling mm-hmm. for a while. Yeah. That is not PG. No. Like, and the skeletons and shit. Once it gets deeper and deeper into the movie, I understood why this is not a PG-rated film. It is not. <laughs> it is not. It's an 80s PG. How's yeah. that? Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, there were a lot of really cool articles about this that I didn't... I thought that more of my nerd corner would be about that. And right. I was like, no, apparently I have to talk about cultural anxiety in the uh, 80s. Oh, come on. <laughs> I know. But yeah, uh, I'll put those in my extended show notes. Yeah, yeah. I just wanted to bring it up because I was like, that's cool. I appreciate you reminding me because I totally forgot. Yeah, because I I thought about it and I was like, after we talked about the horror for a little bit, I was like, oh my God, this is supposed to be a PG movie. So that was really wild. So yeah, we'll put those in the extended show notes. That was really cool. But now it's time for tropes. tropes. So there are some that we've had before. There are a few that we've had before. I'm sure, (laughs) yeah. It's like tropes are a common thing, and that's the whole point of them. Yeah. Yeah. So we have like the antagonist title, the one word title, 
Bloody Horror, Foreshadowing, Chekhov's Gun, Creepy Child, Creepy Doll, Soundtrack Dissonance, Tempting Fate. Those are the ones that we're already pretty well aware of. Creepy Child. She creamy the crap out. She's very scary. Her voice was so high. Drew Barrymore auditioned for the role. I'm not surprised at Mm. all. If you've seen the movie, what is it? Firestarter? Looks a lot like Carol Ann. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So yeah, this, this, and E.T.? Yep. (laughs) They had a look. Yep. So this next trope is the big why. So it's Steve like <laughs> screaming in his boss's face, you son of a bitch, you moved the headstones, but you left the bodies, didn't right. you? You left the bodies and you only moved the headstones. You only moved the headstones. Why? Why? He says it so many times. I know. He like repeats <laughs> it. I like pulled the quote from the actual page. I was like, I have to say the whole thing. <laughs> and so this usually, like this big why is actually nowadays usually played for laughs because mm-hmm. it kind of lives in the realm of discredited trope. Right. And a discredited trope means that it's become a cliche or it's obsolete. And I want to quote the TV tropes page because yeah. I thought it was really cool reading about it. But um, a discredited trope, uh, tropes are tools, but some have aged better than others. Over the course of time, a trope may be overused, misused, opposed, made obsolete, out of fashion, subverted, or deconstructed on many notable occasions, or just end up being widely disliked. Eventually, a trope may reach the point or it becomes one which no writer should dare use seriously outside of period pieces, though it can still be played for or played in parody, satire, homage, or pastiche. Yeah. Often, if one is used straight, people will assume it's a red herring and react with annoyance <laughs> or disdain when it isn't. In some cases, a trope may be discredited due to changes in our knowledge of history or science. Yeah. Use the trope in fiction to change whatever, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So it keeps going on. But basically, I thought it was interesting because it's like that big why, like you scream at this guy, like, why me? It's so dramatic. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was cool, like going into the realm of discredited tropes. Yeah. Because, you know, there are tropes that was are like- Was this before? I'm assuming it was discredited or was this like- I, It's hard to say. I ran out of time because I really wanted to go deep into like the life cycle of the big why. Yeah, because like, I mean- but to do that, like, you That's, go through the trope example pages, which are just right. ones that users have added as examples yeah. of it, and they divide it into, like, live action film, animated film, literature, yeah. manga, or I don't know how to pronounce it correctly. Okay. Because okay, some people it's manga. I don't know. I don't know how to say it. Don't come for me. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, but... Uh, so there's a lot of fucking examples. Yeah, and yeah. So I thought, oh my god, it would take so long. Yeah, it would take so long. And so I was like, well, I could go through and check the years of all of these movies and right. see, like, maybe there was a point where it stopped being used straight, but then I would actually have to go through and see if in those movies it was subverted yeah, or averted exactly, or whatever. Yeah. So I don't actually know when it became discredited. Yeah. Uh, hard to say. Hard to say. And it also could be one of those, like, your mileage may vary type things. Yeah. Um, okay, and then there's the bystander syndrome. So the neighbors help her out of the pool, but they're like, no thanks. When she's like, help me save my children. They truly are just like, no, <laughs> They knock the fuck out. Like, <laughs> uh, then we have the good old canary in a coal mine. Uh, so it's literally oh. the bird Tweety. Right, yeah. So early in the film, the bird dies, and the mom, like oh. another fucking hilarious moment where she's like, "Oh, Tweety. Couldn't you yeah. wait until school? <laughs> Literally just like, I don't want to deal with this. She's like, fucking bird. Ugh. So for anyone that's unfamiliar, the like phrase canary in a coal mine comes from like the history of um, like mining and canaries being taken down because they're smaller, their metabolism's faster, whatever. So like they'll die from exposure to like toxic, like, toxic gases gas, yeah. sooner than mm-hmm. humans will. And so if the canary dies, you get the fuck out. Right. 
which is, you know, great for animal rights and everything. It's fine. <clears throat> it's fine. So, <laughs> it's fine. So this could be the canary in the coal mine. Right. Yeah. Uh, like, get the fuck out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then we have the trope of the collapsing lair. So the villain's lair has to be destroyed when the villain is defeated. Because so, it like, was sucked into win. the ground. <laughs> so like the heroes win the fight, but they have to escape before everything falls apart around slash on top of them. So here the house gets swallowed into another dimension question mark. The ground. So the filming of this scene, they created like a four foot scale model of the house and they only made one and it was really expensive to make. And they filmed it like in slow, like they did a special filming thing where it was like slowly done and they were shooting it like the front of it with shotguns while they were vacuuming it up from the back. Whoa, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's wild. That was another one of those, you better get it right on the first time. <laughs> so they had to make sure that it got sucked into the ground the first time. Uh-huh. Yep, into the ground. Uh-huh. They had to make sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right into the got ground. It. Right into the ground. <laughs> <laughs> I'll die on this hill. <laughs> the hill that sucked Yo, the I'll sink in the into this hill. <laughs> I'll sink into this hill. <laughs> Going to hell, keep digging. <laughs> Going to hell, keep digging. <laughs> I'll sink into this ground. <laughs> Come with me. Come. Come here. Let us, let us sink into the ground together. We also have a cool gate. Yeah, okay. <laughs> We're going to come back to this later. We'll talk about it. Mostly I want to rewatch to make sure I'm not wrong. <laughs> no, you're... It sinks into the ground. <laughs> so... <laughs> We have the cool gate. So yeah. this is like the closet portal that oh, yeah. comes out like in the living room or right. whatever they call it. Uh, so it's like a portal to another place slash world slash dimension right. slash realm of existence. And just Somewhere. because it's cool doesn't mean it's good. It does yeah. not have to go <laughs> to a good place. <laughs> it's cool, not good. <laughs> then we have creator cameo. So we had that in American Werewolf in London. Oh, yeah. And then this one had Spielberg's hands. Tearing, oh, right. Like, face For a minute, off. I was like, where? Was where like, was oh, Spielberg? Right. <laughs> Uh, then we have Cutting Corners, and this was in two places. Oh. So Cutting Corners where, um, like, they took shortcuts to save money, and it was the developers moving the headstones, but not the bodies, right, right, and it was right. also buying real skeletons in theory, or like, Which, you know, never technically <laughs> proven. Whatever. Allegedly buying Allegedly real skeletons. Allegedly buying real skeletons. They love real skeletons. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was weird. I don't even know if we whispered the same thing, but we certainly we did. did whisper. We did. Amazing. <laughs> That's like the switch plate. Switch plate. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so weird. And then we have Dissonant Serenity. So we have like a uh, soundtrack dissonance, but Dissonant yes. Serenity is where someone has like just experienced something absolutely horrific or is in the middle of something wild and violent or scary and they're strangely calm. <laughs> so it can be used in a lot of ways. Like it could be revealing that someone doesn't have empathy or that someone is a secret badass or someone is in shock. <laughs> secret badass. Secret badass, where it's like this character that's kind of bumbling, right, and then yeah. they get into the battle, and they're like all suave, and it's like, right. I know what I'm doing. Um, so, Dissonant Serenity can be used in that way. Uh, it's often, I think, used in like a villainous context, but here right. we have like Carol Ann being like, I'm fine, I don't remember anything. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or like, sweet uh, Carol Ann. Steve's like face at some point, he's just fucking in shock, and he like cannot oh, keep yeah. up with everything that's happening, and he just seems calm. Uh, then we have electromagnetic ghosts. That's just when ghosts interfere with tech. <laughs> ghosts sure. love tech. They love tech. Uh, <laughs> evil is visceral. And I fucking oh. love this one. So it's generally used for squick. And squick is potentially a con- contraction of the words squeamish and ick, 
I was about to be like, what the fuck is square? Right. And it refers to the negative emotional response to gross things. Oh, okay. So it's like that feeling of disgust where it's like, yeah, Ugh. like, Ugh. yeah. Uh, and the laconic version of this trope page says, if it has guts on the outside, it's evil. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's true. Yeah. Yeah. If I saw somebody with their guts on the outside, I'd be like, that's not good. Yeah. So I realized I said this and then I didn't back it up. So the laconic version of a page is the like too long didn't read. Yeah. version where it's like i use many words when few words do From, trick yeah, yeah yeah and so like if not all tropes have this page but if you like see a really long fucking page and then you see a tab that says laconic click that yeah and it'll give you the gist of it and like love that a sentence yeah and then Beautiful. i usually read like i read that so i like know what i'm looking for and then i'll read the whole page right uh, yeah blah, blah, blah. i would totally read the whole page too mm. <laughs> absolutely fucking not uh there's some that i didn't like cover super in depth just because I think that we could later or right. like there are others that are more interesting, but there's like extreme melee revenge. And it's when he's like, right. I hate you, I hate you, I hate you to the clown. Right. Like yeah. pulling stuffing out. Get that clown. Uh, go into the light. Right. Uh, hair of gold. Nope. Heart of gold, hair of gold. Innocent blue eyes. Those are Carol Ann. Right. Because yeah. she's like this innocent creature. So of course she has to be blonde and blue eyed. Sweet little beautiful angel. Mm-hmm. And then there's the trope of the Indian burial ground that's averted. Yes, um, but... Because you think it's going to be that, but it's actually not. But right. But people still assume it is. Yeah, it was so uh, strange, but yes. Then we have ironic nursery theme, I see dead people, last note nightmare, locked into strangeness, which oh. we had in Ginger Snaps, where her hair yes, starts changing. That's right. when her hair changes because of something. Yeah, and yeah, she has her like gray. gray. Do you not think it looks punk? I actually loved the gray. <laughs> I thought the gray looked <laughs> I thought it was really great. Cool. I thought it looked great. Gray. Great. <laughs> Uh, then we have Mama Bear. So oh. this is, okay. God, sorry. I like got locked into a rant inside my head and I was like, wait, that's not happening out loud. Uh, <laughs> basically, my thought whenever I hear the Mama Bear trope, I think of Molly Weasley. Not my daughter, oh, you yeah, bitch. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But anytime I mention Harry Potter, I'm also like, okay, well, J.K. Rowling is like a transphobic <sighs> dick. Fucking uh, sucks, dude. So like, I don't just be like, oh, I love Harry Potter and like, blah, blah. No, it's like... It was a very nostalgic part of my childhood, but I recognize that J.K. Rowling sucks. Listen, that and was like a big will not part of my childhood. Yeah. But fuck J.K. Rowling. Just to be clear. <laughs> Just to be clear. Then we also have mood whiplash. Yeah. So like the face tearing scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the beautiful glowing ghosts, you know? Yeah. Uh, and then this one's kind of funny. It's called Next Sunday A.D. Okay. So it's when something takes place in the future, but it's not actually to be like science fiction or to propose an alternate reality. Right. It's basically like, this happened four years from now, but nothing is different. It's just four <laughs> years from now. So, like, I think, Beautiful. like, this movie was released in 82, and yeah. I think that it's, like, supposed to take place in 88. Yeah, so it's, like... And it's, like, there's no reason. Like, it doesn't... Is, yeah, it's, like, no, 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 everything's no. fine. We just, you know. Yeah, and so sometimes <laughs> people use that, like, time jump to basically say, like, this is why you didn't hear about this on the news. Right, you know? yeah. Uh, then there's off-screen... Mm -hmm. Off-screen reality warp. So oh. it's basically like in the kitchen with uh, Carol Ann, like uh, the mom, it's after all the kids go to school. Yeah. And she's like, oh, no one pushes on their chairs. And then she goes to the kitchen and she turns around and all of the chairs are pushed out. And she's like, Carol Ann, did oh, you yeah. do this? And Carolyn's like, no. 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 And so she pushes all the chairs back and whatever. And then the camera pans away. She, like, does something very quick at the sink, and it pans back, and the chairs are stacked in this, like, reverse pyramid or God, some shit. God, that would shit. fucking scare the shit out of me. Yeah, so it's, like, impossible to have been done by a child yeah, finally yeah, yeah. in that period of time. 
And it's basically this moment where it's like, reality is not what you expect it to be. <laughs> and it was just a really quick pan. Uh, then there's just the theme of the Orphean rescue. Mm-hmm. So there's the Greek mythology um, or the Greek myth of Orpheus and Eurydice. Yeah. Um, and basically, like, they're married, little while love, but um, Eurydice gets taken to Hades. She dies. This is all out of war. She dies and then she goes to Hades. <laughs> Uh, I believe it. And then Orpheus is just, like, grief-stricken, and he goes to save her. And, like, different stories tell it different ways. But in some, he has to, like, play the liar so that the um, Cerberus, like, goes to sleep or something. Or in some, like, he plays music for Hades and Persephone, and they like it so much that they allow him to have Eurydice back. Yeah. And they say it on the, like, key point, like, the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? What's the word for when it's like, you can do this, but you have to have this one piece, like the key element that is required. The key element that is required? <laughs> okay, so he convinces Hades and Persephone to like let him take his wife back through like playing this beautiful song yeah. on like the required like thing that like it is required that they do not look back. They walk out of oh, Hades. Okay, okay. Like, yeah, like the one rule, like, mm-hmm. this, you have to do this. Got it, got it, got it. Yep. Okay. So they're walking out of Hades, and there are a few different, like, readings of this, but in yeah. one of them, like, Orpheus is like, oh, is she still behind me? Or in one of them, it's, it's like, turns. I just want to see her face, and he's out, but she's not yet. <sighs> so Pillar of Salt or whatever. Like, she doesn't. Right. Yeah, she doesn't get to go with. Um, so and so, like, this is the person being held with the dead, and, like, the living go to rescue. Right. Um, then we have peekaboo corpse. <laughs> so <it's, laughs> as I mentioned earlier, it's when yeah. dead bodies are suddenly where you don't expect dead bodies right. to be. Peekaboo. Yep. Red herring. I uh, say my name. Right. Suburban gothic. And then my last trope is third act stupidity. <laughs> so it's a <laughs> subtrope of the idiot ball. <laughs> the idiot ball. Yeah. And so it's like if they had... Like, the idea of this one is they have gone through, like, this hellish experience, and they've been intelligent the whole time. Like, they did things that made total sense. And then suddenly they decide to stay the night because they think the house is clean. And they could have just stayed in a hotel. They didn't have to stay the night in their house. Right. But they did stay one extra night because they thought the house was clean. And then that's when shit hits the fan. And so it's like, they shouldn't, like, if you had gone through fucking trauma in this house... Why would you stay there another night? Why? And it, so this third act stupidity is basically saying, like, there will be no climactic, like, fourth act if yeah. they don't have something that they do that precipitates that. And so it has to be them making this choice to stay in the house so that they can be attacked. Right. Yeah. yeah. So ratings for this movie. Oh, boy. I literally said I was going to think of some. I really didn't think of any other than... Pizza, pizzas, because <laughs> I love pizza. Um, clown dolls, mm-hmm. peekaboo corpses, peekaboo corpses, TVs, muddy skeletons, muddy skeletons. I feel like TVs is pretty like thematic, right? Yeah, uh, grainy television sets, um, baby boy psychics. Mm. You know, uh, the classic uh, face peels. <laughs> a good face peel. Just a good face peel. Let's see. I'm sure there's probably, like, a great one that people are like, why didn't you think of this? And we're all like, because I'm tired. Stop. Ronald um, Reagan biographies. Ronald Reagan biographies. <laughs> um, it's like the man, the president, Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan. Yeah, I mean, uh, 
Spooky trees. Spooky trees. Uh, Silhouettes. Creepy children. Oh, gosh, you really creep me out, dude. Blue-eyed demons. Blue-eyed demons! Uh, This is just me, like, being freaked by Carol Ann. She really creeped me out. I know she wasn't necessarily supposed to be creepy, but when she's talking to the TV and she's like, I don't know. No. Yeah. I'm like, stop it! She creeped me out. (laughs) Oh, this reminds me, the dog, E-Buzz, that's apparently a reference to an SNL skit. Oh, yeah. I had no idea. I was like, why the fuck are they calling this dog E-Buzz? E-Buzz. And so I Googled it, and it's like, oh, it's an SNL reference to this oh. thing. And I was like, oh, that's not, I don't like it. I wouldn't have known. Uh, God, okay. The ones that, like, stood out to me are, yeah. like, television sets. Yeah. And skeletons and clown dolls. Some, like, combination yeah, yeah, of descriptor yeah. and. Yeah. Yeah. I like the, I like clown dolls. Mm-hmm. I like clown So do dolls. you want, like. Deadly clown dolls, animated yeah. clown dolls. No, deadly clown dolls. Deadly clown dolls. Because like they okay. really, the kid almost got strangled to death. Yeah, deadly okay. clown dolls. I think it's your turn to go first. Probably. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It is now anyway. Sure. Um, <laughs> okay. So this one's tough because like I want to rate it based on like. Was I scared? Mm. Did I really like the practical effects? Which, like, I did. But at the same time, I also just, like, the end of the movie with all the, like, weird foley and stuff. Mm. I'm going to give it three and a half. Yeah. I feel like that's, you know. Three and a half what? Three and a half deadly clown dolls. <laughs> there we are. <laughs> um, Three and a half deadly clown dolls. Because I did like it. Mm-hmm. Um. It, it just, like, once it got to that part, it just kind of wasn't as scary or funny. Like, it, it had, like, a weird, just, like, over-the-top campiness. It was, just, like, just adrenaline. Yeah. I couldn't quite tell how I was supposed to feel, so I mm. kind of just, like, took me out of the, the whole, like, I was like, I don't know how I'm supposed to feel, so I guess nothing. Like, mm. um, I still think it's a really good movie. Like, I think it's a classic, you know? It's one of those ones where I'm like, definitely watch it. Check it out. It's really good. But we've just seen some really good movies, and I would say this one just, I feel like it's memorable because it's a classic. Mm. Like, they're here, and this and that, and... Yeah. If I didn't know it was a classic, would I still have appreciated it as much? Like, if this wasn't such a cult classic thing where people are like, it's cursed, it's this, it's wild, would I still remember it so well? Hmm. Probably not. It probably wouldn't be, like, one of my favorites, but three and a half. Three and a half Deadly Clown Dolls, because... It does have some cool effects. I love the face, the creepy face melting. And there were a lot of parts that were genuinely really cool. The ghosts and stuff. I just had a few moments that I was like, eh, not really sure how that fit, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> I think that if I was like comparing this to other movies that I liked more, I would be yeah. like, yeah, it's three. But if I'm comparing it to just like on its own, this is the only movie that exists. I watched it and yeah. I enjoy it. I'd probably give it like a four. So I yeah. think that a happy medium is three and a half Deadly Clown Dolls. Yeah. Three and a half just like felt right. Because, like, it's, it did. it's not too little because I did enjoy it. Yeah. But I can't give it, like, a full four or five because, like, unlike Get Out mm. or, like, Hell House, I just don't have that, like, rewatch bonus. Mm. I don't have, you know, I don't notice new things, really. It's yeah. just kind of, like, a cool 80s movie. Yeah. I think my favorite part was really just, like, those, like, 
satirical humorous moments yeah. more than the harbor parts yeah, exactly. of it. I was just like, this is the driest fucking dialogue yes. and it's so hilarious. If I was judging it on just the parts that made me laugh, fucking five out of five deadly clown dolls. Mm-hmm. But because it's supposed to be like a horror movie, I just wasn't really scared by a lot of the horror. Yeah. And if I was, it was kind of rare. So yeah. Mm-hmm. But like for the 80s, he's still good. But yeah. three so and a half. Yeah, three deadly and a half deadly clown dolls. Yeah, yeah. Fuck yeah. That's good. So that wraps up our discussion of Poltergeist. Awesome. So if you enjoyed your time with us, we would greatly appreciate it if you'd rate and review on Apple Podcasts. That actually helps a ton. It helps other people see our podcast, and it's just really nice to read the nice things that people I know, say. I know we say it every time, but they're really great reviews. <laughs> we love them. We love them. And you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Just Cool With It. You can also check out our website, JustCoolWithItPod.com. And every Wednesday... On our social media, we post what movie we're going to be covering so that you have a chance to watch it if you want to. Yeah. So, and usually if we know where it's streaming, we will put yes. where it's going to be. I don't think I did it with Poltergeist just because I think it's only HBO and HBO sucks so bad. Oh. But usually we'll put where it's streaming so that way you can watch it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and my extended show notes go up on the website, usually on Sundays, just go with pot.com. You could also take a look at our Patreon at patreon.com slash just go with it. And we would like to take this opportunity to thank our incredible patrons. Yes. We have Kim, Kelly, Nihar, Will, Rachel, Kelsey, Sula, and Tim. They're literal stars and we love them Amazing. very, very much. The intro and outro music was created by Anthony Rockazella, and the cover art is by our very own Nikki Solomon. That's me. I'm always surprised every time you say it. <laughs> You're like, oh, me? What? Oh, my what? God. <laughs> Good stuff. And I was like, get out. I was like, wait, that was last week. They're leaving. <laughs> They're no longer here. They're no longer here. Bye. computer died so i don't have my like thing in front of me oh shit we're doing it off the cuff now fuck it we're doing it live fuck it we'll do it Uh, live